welcome to A Journey into the Word. I'm your host, Jared Bowman, and this is the podcast for people who want to know more about the Bible and how to live their life in God's Word. Today, I'm joined by my friend and fellow preacher, Benjamin Lee, and we'll be discussing the moments where God reveals His will for our life and how to use them in service to His kingdom. Are you ready? Our journey begins now. Welcome to the second edition of our podcast, A Journey Into the Word. If you happen to be watching this on YouTube in the video version, welcome. And you can see sitting next to me, I have my friend and preaching brother, Benjamin Lee. Benjamin is a phenomenal preacher, and he's been doing great work all around the country and most recently in the uh, Dallas area, mm -hmm. I guess, for viewers and listeners. And yeah. got his own podcast, his own uh uh, self-coaching business that he does on the side and his wife Nikki is becoming a podcast phenom too so lots of stuff to check out with Benjamin today we're talking about God moments we're gonna be talking about moments that we see in the Bible where faith and a walk someone's walk with God changed on maybe a decision they made or or maybe an interaction that they had with God you know one of those moments I was thinking about would have to be uh, the woman at the well in John 4. I just did a one of our walk through the word videos on that a couple of weeks ago. But the idea that Jesus says some very specific things to her there and she can either take them and run with them or she can pull back from them. But it was a moment that her whole life changed on. What what yeah. we were talking about God moments in the kitchen just a yeah. few minutes ago before we started the podcast. What are what are some moments been that you think of as God moments? Well, I, I really like the language, Jared, God moments. And these are moments that, you know, they, they may happen when we don't really expect it. And that's very much like the Samaritan woman in John chapter four. But they could be simple moments, for example, like yesterday or uh, last week when we were in the car together with her family and we're singing and having fun and just- Oh, the Chick-fil-A rap. The, the Chick-fil-A rap and just, just having fun with family. I think that's a God moment. The two of us are fathers, and when you think about connecting with our with our sons, those are moments that we can we can appreciate, moments that we can teach, moments that we can encourage our, our children. Uh, there are other God moments. I think when we gather together, obviously on the first day of each week to worship with the saints, those are God moments. But I think God moments can happen really anywhere. You think about being in the car when when you're driving, and these are moments that we can choose to respond responding in a way that's godly responding in a way that uh, that is holy and so even thinking about something like being in a car where many times we can lose patience we can get angry people shout and all of this that may be a moment for us to be to 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 calm down to take a step back to pause to meditate on the scripture so when i think about god moments they can happen in a variety of ways you think about you think about arguments that begin with with a husband and a wife, right? Uh, maybe before that conversation escalates, well, that could be a God moment for me. So when I'm talking to my wife Nikki, if I find myself getting frustrated, maybe that's a moment for me to be quick to hear, slow to speak. It's yeah. a moment for us to consider God. God moments are moments for us to meditate on the scriptures. God moments are moments for us to do what is right. They're really kind of moments. In, I was thinking about the woman at the well, and I was thinking about what, because you made the comment in the house about how maybe a lot of the 
conflict in our lives with our spouses and things like that and people like that could be staved off if we just took that moment to think about what glorifies God in this moment. And I love the idea of, of you know, the, the pre-argument thought of, of living with my wife in an understanding way of, yeah. of, of realizing that my anger over something that maybe she doesn't see the same way that I do is not going to produce the righteousness of God. Mm -hmm. I had that same thought about disciplining children when we were talking about that, that there, there are times when, when Will is in need of some correction and I'll take a moment, I'll take a half hour mm -hmm. to make sure that uh, it's coming from a place not of wanting to punish him because I'm upset about something he did, but but of discipling his heart and and does he is he going to connect the punishment that I give that might be or the correction that I give that might be a stern talking to or a hey we're going to put this away for a week or two because you're out of hand does he connect that with okay this was something that God wasn't happy with mm -hmm. or is he connecting it with something that this is something my dad's not happy with right. So these are moments then that we can, whether it's our children or whether it's ourselves, these are moments that we can become a better disciple. These are moments where we can let our light shine. These are moments that we can teach our children, this is God's will, this is God's design, this is God's desire. You know, I think about Nehemiah chapter five, some of these God moments are gonna be with brothers and sisters in Christ and how we respond to one another. Uh, right. Nehemiah chapter five, when Nehemiah heard about the, the outcry from the people in verse six, he said, then I was very angry when I had heard their outcry and these words, I consulted with myself and contended with the nobles and the rulers. This idea of, of consulting with himself, he, he pondered, he took the, he hit the pause button. And that's right. kind of like what you're saying with even how we interact with our children. So these God moments are really moments for us to be thinking more about God. What does God, how does he want me to respond? And what's the best way that I can handle a situation? Yeah, I was thinking about it, going back to the John 4 and how, you know, the disciples come out to Jesus after he's had this interaction with a woman. And, and it says in verse 27, at this point, his disciples came and they were amazed that he'd been speaking with a woman and no one said, what do you seek or why do you speak with her? It's, it talks about her leaving her water pot and, and she called the whole village, come and see this man that told me everything that I've ever done and could he be the Christ? And you look at the instruction of Jesus in verse 31, it says, meanwhile, the disciples were urging him saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to him, I have, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples were saying to one another, no one brought him anything to eat, did he? And Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and accomplish his work. That's a God moment right there. Yeah, they were missing. They were missing on the moment that he saw. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's one of the biggest challenges, too, where these moments happen all the time. So for this particular example here, Jesus is going to teach them this is a moment that you really need to pay attention to because there are opportunities right in front of you and you're just totally missing it. Absolutely. That, that's what we do so often. Look at the next thing he says here. Yeah. It says, do you not or do you not say there are four months mm -hmm. and then comes a harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look out on the fields. They are white for harvest. And already he who reaps is receiving wages and is gathering fruit for life eternal so that he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this case, the saying is true. One sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you have not labored. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. 
So what he's really telling them, and I think probably the point of the whole story of the woman at the well is that here Jesus is in this strange village. He's he's in he's talking with somebody that the kingdom message is not supposed to go to yet, mm -hmm. but it is going to go to one day. Mm -hmm. you know, a Samaritan woman, she's she's got all this baggage in her life. She's she's lived a, a, a very ungodly life by her mm -hmm. own admission. And the disciples are amazed at this. And, and Jesus is telling them, these are the moments that you need to capitalize on. Yes. You want to be part of the kingdom work. And, yeah. and that's really something for us men in particular. I think sometimes we think that kingdom work is the guys in the pulpit or the guys uh, shepherding the congregation as elders or that, that kingdom work is Bible class teaching. Kingdom moment, kingdom work is being is being in these God moments and turning them into kingdom moments. Yeah, and there's some language in verse 35, and I think this will help, this naturally helps us, but it helps those who are listening to, how do we see these moments? How do we capture these moments? Notice what Jesus said again in verse 35. There are yet four months and then comes the harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes. And so when you were reading that, that really popped for me. Oh, yeah. The kind of eyes that we have in the sense of how are we looking at opportunities? How are we even looking at our day-to-day -day interactions? You know, we can go to the store, we can run errands, we can relax at home. And if not careful, we just see the day, well, it's just another day. And for his disciples or his apostles, I think that's kind of what they were seeing. Listen, we've had a long day. You need to eat, you're tired. But Jesus said, no, 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 you're missing what's right in front of your face. And far too often, I think we probably fall into their category. We're, yeah. we're, we're seeing, but we're missing the, the bigger picture. We're not looking at the world or at people as having a soul in a moment to have an impact. And so I think there's something there with how do we see these moments? Well, it really begins with our perspective. Are mm -hmm. we, how are we looking at our lives? How are we looking at the world and people around us? If we look at them in the right way that Jesus did, we'll see God moments all the time. Oh yeah, it, and one of the things that I think that we don't we don't often associate with these moments where we can glorify God is we think they have to be some huge kingdom work. And we're going to talk about Elijah in a moment, mm. but you know, sometimes it's just sowing joy and peace because that's the message of the kingdom. When you look at what Paul says in Rebel, uh, uh, Romans, is that you know he's the God of hope and and we should be filled with joy and peace. And mm -hmm. I was thinking about that. And you talked about the, the singing in the car the other day, we were singing some Imagine Dragons in the car. And, <laughs> but we went to, uh, we went to Chick-fil-A after <laughs> Ben's meeting the other night to get a, uh, to yeah. get my son a milkshake because he <laughs> likes some milkshakes and we were going to stay up late and play some video games. I don't really think that happened. No, I think we were pretty was, wiped afterwards. Tired, but, so we got some chicken nuggets just for like a, just a, just a, a manly munch kind of thing with, with just the three boys. My wife's like, I'm not eating chicken nuggets at <laughs> 10 o'clock at night, but, uh, yeah. but the line's taking a little long and, and Will was sitting in the back of the car. He's like, how long is this line going to take? And, and Ben comes up with this crazy <laughs> Chick-fil-A wrap just to introduce a little joy into yeah. the moment. Yeah. Give us some of the Chick-fil-A no, wrap. No, you, you can come go on. to YouTube and check it out. All right. <laughs> yeah. Be sure to subscribe as well. I got one subscriber right now. That's so. me. <laughs> <laughs> But that moment, that, that moment of seeing a godly man not get frustrated with the fact that, oh, oh man, yeah. we're behind 35 other cars in line. Yeah. And it's Chick-fil-A. 35 cars takes like five bad. minutes. Yeah, that's yeah. right. That's right. I mean, 
I mean, that, 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 that's the anointed chicken right there. So, I mean, sometimes it's a lot longer, <laughs> but, but that moment it is a moment where, I mean, a lot of people get frustrated. Good grief. Yeah. There's 35 cars in front of us. You know, this is going to take forever. I mean, why are 35 people getting it's milkshakes and chicken nuggets at 11 o'clock? It's a moment to complain. And yeah. those things happen more often than joy, happiness, just it's okay to be in this moment and not to turn into a, a big pity party and sure. complaining party. Yeah. And that's something I think is interesting too, where these small moments turn into big seasons if not careful. Yeah. You know, they can turn into something far greater than what they ever, ever needed to be. And what Jesus was saying in John four, what he's teaching them, this is going to turn into a, a, a season for them, you know, down the road. So, um, yeah, it's interesting just with how these little moments can can turn into something great. And and again, they don't have to always be like this. What you were saying, something huge. Right. That's where we lose. It's almost like this all or nothing, unless it's some monumental event or a study with 100 people or mm -hmm. 10 conversions in a day. Well, I guess I'm just not doing enough. But the, these are opportunities to plant seeds, mm -hmm. you know, for growth later on. I don't know if you can see Widget on camera. She's dodging the rain and getting up under the tent with us. But uh, there she is. Yeah. But the uh, I, I was thinking about that. And, you know, the ultimate God moment would have to be you know, Acts chapter two. You had you know three thousand souls converted that day, and we think, man, that's a huge number. But likely a million people in Jerusalem on that day, and it's really sort of a fraction of the people that heard. But I liked what you just said there because you know God moments are not always the they're not always the moments of great success. And I think that's sort of what we see in Elijah's story is, you know, mm -hmm. you had this showdown with the priests of, of Baal or Baal, mm -hmm. as we called him in Texas, Baal. Yeah. But you had the showdown <laughs> with the priests of Baal on Mount Carmel. You had the entire power and authority over the northern kingdom of Israel aligned against the prophet of God and God's got one lone warrior on top of that mountain mm -hmm. and it's Elijah and he delivers that powerful speech in first Kings 18. Mm -hmm. In fact, why don't you take us to first Kings 19 in just a second, because I love your point on what Elijah needed at this time. Mm -hmm. And you know, how long halt ye between two opinions? How long are you going to hesitate between whether or not God's your God or you're going to serve Baal because you can't do both. And you have that great showdown with, with God consuming his sacrifices, the prophet, prophets of Baal set impotent trying to do all the things to encourage Baal to act because you know he's not God you know I think Elijah might have thought hey this is my kingdom work I'm going to turn the entire kingdom back to God yeah and yet that's not what happened yeah yeah in first Kings chapter 19 verse 1 the Bible says now Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah, saying, So may the gods do to me, and even more, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And he was afraid. So take note of that. Just a chapter earlier, he's on a mountaintop. That's a mountaintop God moment experience. This is unbelievable. God, his power has been demonstrated. He is the true and living God. Mm -hmm. But now, Elijah, he's afraid. And we often think, or we may think, how could how could he ever be afraid? And I think this just shows how in life we have these highs and we can have these lows. Mm -hmm. And and these God moments may come during these great highs. Right. But they also will happen during great lows. And mm -hmm. it's going to be important that we don't 
overlook those kinds of moments. So he's afraid and arose and ran for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came down and sat down under a juniper tree, and he requested for himself that he might die and said, It is enough. Now, O Lord, take my life, for I'm not better than my father's. Jared, we, we sometimes can, can have these moments. I think preachers sometimes can have these moments. Life has a way of causing people and Christians to say, it's enough. Enough is enough. You it's know, almost like I, we have an adversary. Almost like we have an adversary, which we obviously do. And for Elijah, this moment here, when he's under that juniper tree, and by the way, that's not where God wanted him to be, but that's no. where he found himself. Yeah. But eventually he's going to have a mountaintop moment with God mm -hmm. where he's going to hear from God. But this was also a God moment for Elijah. And it's just as important as the success that he experienced in 1 Kings 18, where he's going to have to hear the voice of God. And, and God's going to ask him, what are you doing here? And he's going to need some, some simple provisions, but important provisions, food and sleep and uh, something to drink and time to, I, I think, process this discouragement and depression. So if I'm saying anything, if we're saying anything, then it's this. Even in the middle of suffering mm -hmm. or discouragement, those are God moments as well. Moments Amen. to draw closer to God and moments to see how much we actually need him. And moments like what you were saying, Jared, that the work that we're involved in is not always going to be this mountaintop experience. Right. It's often going to be in the valley where it can be very tough, where there can be this isolation, where there can be these challenges that we face. Because arguably God is about to send Elijah on the most important work that he's about to do mm -hmm. because he was never going to convert the entire kingdom. We know the story of the end of the kingdom, northern kingdom of Israel. Yep. But he's going to send him on the work of doing some mentoring. But before we do that, I want to capitalize on something you just said there. Mm -hmm. And this reminds me, and I think you kind of evolved the way that you said it. The, fun, the first way was funnier. Uh, but that he knew that Elijah needed a snack, a nap, and a job. And, <laughs> yeah. and that's exactly what he gives him. But it's yeah. important. And this is something I just thought of. We hadn't talked about this. But, but one of the important steps in seeing the moments that we, that our life turns toward God and you have a whole series called the decision points that you're preaching on throughout the year but seeing those moments is realizing that God is the source of the provision that we need that he provided him with food he provided him with a work to do he provided him with rest from those who were per and maybe that's why he had him go 40 days in the wilderness is yeah. he wanted him to get away from those influences and put some real physical distance between him and Jezebel. Maybe it was to give him time to sort of work through those things that were the emotional lows that he was in the middle of. But but stopping and realizing that the, what David said, you know, I've, I've been old or I've been young and now I'm old and I've never seen the righteous begging bread. That the idea that God doesn't forsake his people, that he's there in the moment-to-moment -moment provision. The fact that I woke up this morning and had air to breathe is a God moment. That that on Sunday nights, Will gets to crash with Lauren and I. That's the big night of the week for him, that he likes to sleep in our bed. And and my son is is next to me when I wake up, and he's 
he's there and, and he's mine and he's been mine for seven years. And that's a God moment right there that I'm, I'm a father because mm -hmm. God made me a father. Mm -hmm. And all of those things are, are moments that when I stop and reflect on them, they're kind of not just a pause button, they're a reset button on the, mm -hmm. on the self pity that we throw for ourselves. Mm -hmm. So where do we go from in this first Kings passage? Well, I think one of the things to take note of when you think about first Kings 19, I appreciate what you said a moment ago when we were talking in the kitchen that there was preparation that Elijah, you know, was required to do that he needed to do in this depressed moment, discouraging moment. You know, God is going to emphasize to him, I still need for you to go. So he, he moves from the juniper tree to the mountain of God to hear God's voice. And now he's got to go. Mm -hmm. And so all of these are moments. And I do want to emphasize again, Jared, that maybe these are the, the toughest moments to really understand how this can be such an important time. Yeah. Where, and maybe that's where this isolation was beneficial for him, where he could focus solely on God and understand how much he needed him. But later on in 1 Kings chapter 19, um, God is going to give him instructions. In verse 15, the Lord said to him, go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when you have arrived, you shall anoint Haziel king over Aram. So God is going to give him instructions about, about men who, need, who needed to be anointed. About Elisha in verse 16, who would be anointed as a prophet in his place. So you have mm -hmm. this, this mentorship, this work that needed to be done, where Elijah, the, the emphasis is not on him, but now it's on other people. And so this moment turned into really a new season for Elijah. Yes. And so these God moments, how we handle them, how we look at them, how we respond to them can turn into something really great or we can miss out on doing more work for God. You know, that was something we were talking about last night. Don't want to get you off first Kings. I want Please. you to stay there. But the idea of, of one of the things that we see the struggle sort of with the younger generation in the church is, is that maybe it's because we've taken this educational approach. We do Bible class, and I'm not saying that Bible class is a, is a wrong thing, but if you if you look at the biblical model, though, we really need to be investing in mentorship. That that I mean, what's the instruction Paul gives to older women to teach the younger women how to love their husbands, and right. and older men are are to to teach respect to the younger generation of men, and that idea of being a mentor in the kingdom. I mean, Elijah had his big showdown. Now he's he's preparing the next generation, the the guy that's actually going to bring the message that God is going, you know, Elisha, that God is going to judge this kingdom. And think about how how many things happen under Elisha that shows God's power, and yet the kingdom doesn't turn ever back to God. They don't even make any, unlike Judah, they don't ever make any strides toward turning back to God. They just keep on this trajectory. But the work is what's important. And that's one of the things I think we forget is we we want God to act in these huge ways. We want him to, to overthrow the animosity in the world. We want him to turn a nation back to God. And yet the, the battleground that God is working on while he oversees nations and controls nations is not resetting the political game in countries. It's changing the hearts of men with the word. And the battleground that he's working on is changing my heart. Absolutely. First Change, and foremost. Yeah, changing your heart, changing your heart. That really is where I think the challenge is, especially as we think about this kingdom work, that ultimately it's it's still not about me. 
Right. And when I die one day, when you die one day, the kingdom of God. I drink coffee. I'm living forever, dude. (laughs) The kingdom of God will continue to stand. Uh, More men will continue to to preach God's word. And so I, I think there's something important here as we think about these moments that being willing to maybe be flexible, to see the big picture, to see, you know what, maybe there's another way of of how all this is going to work. We were talking about, and we'll get back to 1 Kings 19. Really, I think the big point to to take home from 1 Kings 19, uh, you look at verse 20 or verse 19. uh, So he departed from there and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, while he was plowing with the 12 pairs of oxen before him. And he with the 12 and Elijah passed over to him and threw his mantle on him. Isn't it something that the next great kingdom prophet is, is a farmer? Yeah. He's a farmer. <laughs> he, he he's not he's not the world's greatest orator. Yeah. He's a farmer. Yeah, that's right. Well, there's a God moment right there. There's a God moment right there, and these moments are not always what we expect them to be. Sure. I, I think social media sometimes has caused us to be um, not deceived. Maybe that's too strong of a word, but blinded with. I don't think it's too strong a word. Maybe deceived is the right word with how we think. You know, this is what success looks like. You know, this is now, okay, now I'm really doing God's work because I have this many followers or because of this impact that I'm having. Or I've done 12 meetings this year. Yeah, that's right. That's what we fall into as preachers. Yeah, that's exactly right. And Elisha, this is a one-on-one interaction. Yeah. But God sees it. And and, and Elijah is doing the work of God. I I want to also just mention real quickly here, Acts chapter 18. If if you turn over there, if you're following along. Jared and I were talking about this, and it's really interesting where Paul, when he is in uh, Corinth in Acts chapter 18, after he left Athens in Acts 18 verse 1, after these things he left Athens and went to Corinth, and he found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, having recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome. He came to them, and because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them. And they were working for by trade, they were tent makers. And he was reasoning in the synagogue every Sabbath and trying to persuade Jews and Greeks. But when Silas and Timothy came down from Macedonia, Paul began devoting himself completely to the word, solemnly testifying to the Jews that Jesus was the Christ. This passage has stood out to me for a couple of reasons, mm-hmm. and especially for you and me as preachers. Paul is, it seems like he's slowing down a little bit with some of the uh, evangelistic work and teaching. He's working with Priscilla and Aquila in verse 3. By trade, all of them are tent makers. He's still doing the work of God. Every Sabbath, uh, he's reasoning in the synagogue, verse 4. That was his custom. That's what he did wherever he went. Verse 5 is interesting because Silas and Timothy have come down from Macedonia. Right. And so whether it was... um, the, the extra men that he now had or some kind of financial support or more financial support. Uh, now he's devoting himself completely to the word. Mm-hmm. And when you look at this, for some, they may not always feel comfortable doing what Paul did. You think about some preachers sometimes too, right? Where there's a season in his life, a moment, mm-hmm. where he's got to build some tents. Yeah. So the work of God is slowing down a little bit, but not necessarily. And the reason why I say that is because this moment where he's working with Priscilla and Aquila, that's a God moment. I mean, think about the encouragement 
that Priscilla and Aquila would have received working side by side with Paul. I think Paul, about what they do at the end of this chapter. Yeah, what they do at the end of the chapter. No, that's all good. What they do at the end of the chapter, they're bold and courageous where they're going to correct Apollos and explain to him the word of God more accurately and, and, and with truth and love. But I that that moment stood out to me because let's say something like that happened to us where we have to take on extra work or something mm -hmm. like that. For some guys, and really even maybe for others, we may say, well, man, this is not really a good scenario. Mm -hmm. But if we're not careful, we may miss out on these God moments. Maybe it's a time to mentor or yeah. encourage other people. And so you think about Paul working with Priscilla and Aquila, mm -hmm. what a monumental moment for them. And maybe it was actually more for them. Maybe. Uh, when you think about the great work that they would go on to do. Well, and if you, this isn't one of the standout moments in Paul's life. I mean, he's just been <clears throat> going through the region of Macedonia with his hair on fire, planting churches and running from, from, from the antagonistic influences within some of the sects of the Jews and, mm -hmm. and things like that, it, that he's, he's been going like crazy. He just had the great conversation on Mars Hill in Athens. And now, well, what do I do? It's like, well, I've, I've you know, <laughs> maybe, maybe, uh, uh, Silas had the money bag, but he about run my support. So, mm -hmm. so here's what I'm assuming that maybe why he started tent making because you know, yeah, financial reasons. Yeah. That's what I think too. But it was, I'm going to make tents, but I'm not going to stop. I'm going to use this for a moment where somebody can, can see God. And, and really the journey into the word podcast, you and I were talking about this in the kitchen is becoming, you know, I want it to be the deep journeys into God's word. And I think this is, but I also want it to be moments of kind of rallying cries for men to get back to, and, and women, I'm not trying to disclude you at all sisters, but the idea that we don't often do this as men. We measure our success financially. We measure our success by career trajectory. I can't tell you how many people, when I, they asked me how long I've been preaching, I said, well, I've been preaching for about 25 years, you know, right at 22, 23 years. And they said, oh, okay, well, where have you preached for? And I tell them about my journey of, of working a full-time job and preaching. And they're like, oh, well, you've really only been preaching for about seven years. I'm like, no, I was preaching full-time the whole time. And that's not about bickering over how long I've, I've been preaching, but it's that idea of discounting somebody that's doing the kingdom work and how I don't want them to continue doing that because there may be guys who are even right here in America, but particularly in foreign countries that are holding down full-time jobs, preaching the word, trying to be fathers and husbands and things like that, that are, that, I mean, what's being sacrificed there is their sleep. And yet they're doing that because they're trying to fulfill the role that they want, that they want to do in the kingdom that they believe God has for them in the kingdom. And those are God moments. Those are growth moments where it becomes less about me and it becomes more about him. And in doing that, my life changes trajectory. What Priscilla and Aquila did, you know, being tent makers did not diminish the great work that they did in the kingdom of God. Absolutely not. And that is so important, you know, whether you're thinking about uh, preachers or whoever it may be, you know, I think about Romans chapter 16 and verse number three, greet Prisca and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus. So you see how Paul described them, fellow mm -hmm. workers. So they had a full-time job, perfect. Um, it, it was it was a way for them to, to, to meet their means. And, and the work of God continued. And, and you're so right with this, Jared, where it could be very easy to discount, okay, now that I'm doing this full time or now that I'm in this situation, it's like 
some men, and I, I really just want to stop everything and, and leave the secular work to, to preach full time. I think that's good. Absolutely. And, and at times that's appropriate. But maybe those are actually moments when you're at your job working full time. There are so many God moments in those moments. We just have to see them and not discount them. And so making sure that we do that, you know, for example, I went through a preacher training program at the Dowling Road Church of Christ in Beaumont, mm -hmm. Texas. Prior to that, I was in Columbia, Missouri, and I was still working full time with Pfizer Pharmaceuticals, but they were in need of men filling in to preach. Mm -hmm. and so me and another brother would preach two or three times a month. I had the opportunity to teach some classes, to get some Bible studies set up in the community. Well, even though I didn't have the title of a the full-time evangelist, right. I think my work was still important. And those were moments that I still had, even with colleagues with Pfizer. And so whether you're in a situation like that or in a full-time setting, with in particular with preachers, but you mentioned you're really we're really talking more right now to to men mm -hmm. you're right jared how we measure success is so important and if we're not measuring success and, and having a kingdom first mentality we're always going to come up short right we're never really going to be satisfied and so when we think about success in these god moments the work that we're doing the seeds that are being planted you know in these opportunities like paul mm -hmm. had that's how we can see, you know what, I'm on the right track. And that's where we should get this satisfaction of I'm doing something that's making a difference. Yes. In somebody's heart. Paul made a difference in Priscilla and Aquila. He didn't need to be, in a, he didn't need to have a big audience, even though he still did. Sure. When he went into the synagogues on the Sabbath. Mm -hmm. And so he was making a difference in a different way at least for that period of time. You know, it was my friend Jeremy Hodges that gave me the most encouragement. And, and the story I shared, I didn't want to share because of sour grapes or anything like that. But I do want to say, we want to be careful about not discouraging people who are trying to capitalize on kingdom work and, and do the best work they can. And maybe you're sitting out there and somebody shared this podcast with you because you are, you are a tent maker and you're preaching. You're a preacher. I mean, you, and it was my friend Jeremy Hodges that, that actually corrected somebody in my presence that, that, you know, because that, that was something, honestly, just between you, me, and whoever else may be listening, that was actually something that some brethren had made me feel a little ashamed over, that I didn't make that transition, that mm. I was I didn't trust in God enough to do that. And Jeremy actually stopped the person who was who was berating me a little bit, not really berating me, but, but talking down to me a little bit. And he said, no, no, no. He was a preacher. He was just also in sales. Yeah. And yeah. if you're in that situation, I want to tell you from from somebody that maybe you look at my situation as a full-time preacher, you think I've made it to the mountaintop and I'll have a valley at some point, trust me. But I want to say to you, keep doing what you're doing because Absolutely. you may be working in an area that needs kingdom workers. They just can't support people working in the kingdom. Don't give up stay in the word, stay, work the best you can. We, we have a mutual friend who's actually stepping down from full-time preaching work because he wants to do more mentoring of young minds that want to be preachers. He's going to go and teach in the colleges because he wants to help people learn to preach the gospel. And and he had kind of a moment of catharsis about that this morning. I didn't see the post. You were telling me about Doy's post. Yeah, and I really appreciate him and Amen. just... Um... You know, just his... Um, yeah, Doy, if you happen to be listening, yeah, we're really proud of the work you're doing, buddy. Absolutely. And just what he shared about, you know, he didn't know the next time he's going to be preaching, right, after 36 years. And mm -hmm. obviously he has meetings set up. But I, I think that's really 
good because I think about Ecclesiastes chapter three and verse one, there's an appointed time for everything. There's a time for every event under heaven. We have these different seasons. And I think Mm -hmm. we see that in Acts 18 with Paul. I think we see that with Elijah in 1 Kings 18 and 19. Mm -hmm. And And I think we see this in our own lives where it's okay if a season changes or we find ourselves in a, in a new kind of season. Those moments, those God moments of teaching, encouraging, they're still going to be there. They yes. may just show up in a different way, but it's our responsibility to look at that situation and to see I can still have an impact for the kingdom of God because it's not about me. It's not about you. Kingdom of God is going to continue on even after we die. So lifting up our eyes and seeing. I like that. Capitalizing on the John 4. Look out. Lift up your eyes. Look up. Yeah. Lift up your eyes and see. We don't have to delay four months down the road or two years when we get into a full-time setting or when we retire or Mm -hmm. when we graduate from high school or when we graduate from college. No. Lift up your eyes now and see, oh, there's a moment for me right Mm -hmm. here. There's a moment for me today. And, and maybe it's what you say in your, co- in your class. Maybe it's uh, attending those devos and encouraging someone. Yes. Maybe it's just how you respond, uh, controlling and being disciplined with your emotions. There's God moments every single day. And that's, that's what we have to look for. Yeah, and sometimes they're the moments where it, another person that literally had a God moment, the, the rich young ruler. I mean, yeah. there are moments where we see the kind of correction that we need in our life and yeah. and that idea of, of working out our salvation with fear and trembling that that the apostle paul talks about in philippians 2 um but i was thinking about something that you said about about paul living in that moment Do you know he actually mentions that another time in scripture please sure philippians chapter 4 okay. it's actually a passage one of, that i did mm-hmm. one of the mm-hmm. biblically speakings on the most misused verses <laughs> but philippians 4 leading into verse 13 yep um, beginning of verse 12, it says, I know how to get along with humble means, and I also know how to live in prosper- prosperity in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry. There's a secret to being to being godly in moments where you're hungry and when you're full, both of having abundance and suffering and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. You know, that verse is not about, you know, hitting a 50-yard pass or, or kicking a football 66 yards. It was done this past Sunday. Uh, uh, by one of the teams who 66, was 66, yeah, J- yeah, just uh, destroying the Detroit Lions, yeah, the Ravens, yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right. But it's it's about being able to be godly in every moment because I know that that for the work that I've been commissioned to do, Jesus is going to com- Jesus is going to supply me with what I need to get that done. Amen, amen. Yeah, and God moment behind prison bars. Yeah, it's possible. The jailer. Yeah, it's possible. And so think about these moments, how we respond in moments, uh, mountaintop experiences, moments of suffering, moments where maybe we're not really moving forward. Maybe we're just supposed to remain where we are. Those are still opportunities for us to give thanks to God, to glorify God, to encourage his people, to bring people to him. If we're willing to lift up our eyes, Mm -hmm. if we're willing to see, maybe this is just a time for me to sow. Maybe it's a time for me to reap. Those are still moments that are absolutely important. Amen. And if we miss out on those, then we're missing out on, on opportunities for our, for our Father in Heaven. 
let's move into our next topic because we're about to have to wrap up. And that's using these God moments and what might be the most important relationship in our life. And that's, you know, again, I don't want to discount anybody, but these are, these are things fathers really need to hear and husbands need to hear. But how about the God moments in marriages? That you, you just taught a lesson for us here in the Beaverton area as part of the meeting you were doing on asking a question, fathers, are we in the pictures? And you, and you know, you shared your, your life story and, and won't go into that now, but, but go into the fifth street church's website and listen to Ben's lesson. And it's not the only time he's done it, but that, that message in Ephesians chapter six, before he says, fathers don't provoke your, or after he says, fathers don't provoke your children to wrath. He says, and I like the way the New American Standard renders this, bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. You know, the King James says the, the, uh, the, the nourishment and admonition of the, or uh, admonition of the Lord. How important is stopping and thinking about this being kingdom work mm. when I'm, when I'm engaged with my child, how do we transform that into kingdom work, Ben? How do we transform that into the mentoring kind of relationship we've been talking about? Mm. I mean, we're really talking about legacy of faith kind of stuff. Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I would say, I would say John chapter four gives us application. Okay. Where when you think about our children and when you think about kingdom work, it's an opportunity to sow the seed. Absolutely. It's a soul in our house that mm -hmm. we are ho hoping one day and praying one day that they will follow Jesus, that they will take up their cross. And so these opportunities that we have to, to discipline, you know, is obviously not to belittle or to break them, but it's to, to mold them and to shape them right. to become um, Christ-like and to uh, submit to the will and to the authority of God. And so when you think about fathers and when you think about the opportunities that we have with our children, it is an opportunity to live a legacy or to leave a legacy, but that that's something that we have to do as well. So it can't just be with them. It's something that we have to be living. So when you think about Ephesians chapter six and in my sermon, dads, are we in the picture? I talked about Abraham. Abraham had plenty of these God moments where he needed to be there for, for his wife, Sarah, and being there with his son, Isaac. And Isaac seeing how he handled these moments, much like Genesis chapter 22, where Isaac is asking, you know, where is the sacrifice? And, you know, God is going to provide. So if I'm understanding you correctly, thinking about fathers and sons and legacy, these moments that we have, even when we have to correct our children, those are moments, uh, these are God moments, or if we handle them correctly, it will help us to, to move our children closer to God Yes, and to also create a legacy that what we are trying to do in our lives are to be godly men. Well, I mean, the, the goal is discipline, and the root of discipline is discipleship. And when we when it talks about the discipline and the chastening of the Lord in Hebrews chapter 12, he, the Hebrew writer tells us, look, discipline and chastening is not fun it's not enjoyable in the moment but it produces the peaceful fruit of righteousness necessary and that's what we're trying to do is, is mm -hmm. produce that necessary righteousness in their lives and it's not it's never about being upset it's never about being being giving out justice, if you will, it's about correction. And because we don't want to deal with them the way that that we would deal with someone who's not our child, we want to deal with them the same way God deals with us as his children, which mm -hmm. is, I want to make you a follower of me. I want to help you follow me. And sometimes there is some correction. 
-hmm. and, and, but we don't ever want to cross that line where God is, is dealing out punishment. We, we want the correction. We want the chastening. We want the discipline so that we can better follow him and learn to love him with all our heart, soul, and strength. Yeah, absolutely. That's well said. Thank you. <laughs> Every once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's well said. Well, you know, as you think about these God moments, Jared, if someone if someone's listening to this, what if we did a recap? What sure. is a God moment? I think a God moment can be literally any moment. It requires an awareness of what you're trying to accomplish in the kingdom and maybe what you're seeing that needs to be done in the kingdom and also what needs to happen in your own life. What are the challenges of identifying these godly moments? Getting out of your own head. Mm. Get really looking at what's going on in your heart and silencing the distraction. I think you had a great point. You know, you're flying out tomorrow. You're heading back home. Uh, it'll be today when you see the podcast, but or hear the podcast. But you're flying out tomorrow, and you're saying, you know, the time I have in the airport is that a time I'm thinking about the kind of father I'm being to Josh, or husband that you're being to Nikki, or mm. the kind of preacher I am at at, at Northwest, or am I thinking about, uh, you know, what I saw in the Wired magazine as I passed the the newsstand, or or the the whatever the newspaper is here in Portland, if such a thing still exists. <laughs> I have no idea because I'm not from here. Yeah, well, me what, either. <laughs> yeah, that's true. What, Jared, how can we capitalize more on these kinds of moments? Someone's listening. They're like, okay, I hear you. I understand this. This makes a lot of sense. Be intentional. Wow. Be intentional in your kingdom work. Be intentional as a father that I'm going to deliver my son to God or my daughter to God or my children. Maybe you got 25 children. That's God bless you if you do. It's Your quiver is full. But I'm going to deliver them all to God. And it, whether you succeed in that or not is is not as important as being intentional in the work. Yeah. And what do you think? What, what's a God moment for you, Ben? Well, I think these opportunities to meditate, to ponder on God's word, to put them into action, to see situations the way that God wants us to see situations, mm -hmm. situations of growth, situations of of influence in a, in a positive way. I think God moments are these moments where we can allow or give ourselves these moments to think more about God and how else we can be pleasing to him. Amen. So that's what I think about. And I, one thing that I consider is Philippians 4 and verse 8. Meditate on these things. You know, oh, absolutely. Whatever is true and whatever is good. I think that's how we can see more of these God moments. Um, the word of God, you know, dwelling in our hearts. And I think that's a, a, a simple way for us to become even more intentional, maybe even just being direct with our speech. Will, you know, your son Will, my son Joshua, today when you go out today, I want you to consider what might be some God moments for you. Mm -hmm. Is it how you talk to your friend? Is it whether you are tempted to lie about what you did or did not do? Those, mm -hmm. are, those are all God moments that we can really make it clear for children. These are moments of when your mom asks you to do something the first time, do you push back three or four times? Sure. That's a God moment of, am I going to submit uh, to mom and dad? Yeah, am I gonna be respectful to my spouse, husband or wife when I speak to them? Because that's a moment that maybe they're struggling in their faith and they need me to be godly in that moment because that's kingdom work. And, yeah. and that's, I guess if we're saying one thing, it's any moment can be a God moment, but you have to have the mindset of being intentional and setting your mind on the things of the kingdom. Yeah. Yeah. What's your one takeaway, Ben? Well, 
my one takeaway is every day is another day to draw closer to God. I like it. Every moment, really, is a moment for us to grow in our faith and to become more of who we are supposed to be as disciples of Christ. Well, we could go a lot further into this, but that's our 45 minutes, and that's what we're trying to keep them to. Yeah. So, hey, if you're watching on YouTube, you're watching the video version of this, remember, hey, hey, coffee cups. <laughs> uh, be sure to like our video. Be sure to subscribe to the channel. You know what the rules are. I've said them enough lately. Ben's got his channel. It's getting back up and going. He's kind of in and out on the Facebook thing, but he says he's in to stay. He's going to start doing some videos for YouTube. They're on what correct me here family fitness faith family and fitness well that's kind of the theme but you can find me on youtube at he's uh, a fit guy <laughs> not like me i can do with benjamin lee that's my youtube channel and that's also the name of my podcast i can do uh, with benjamin lee so love for you to follow me benjamin lee.blog is yeah. where you can find all my information you can find everything we do under Biblically Speaking. And be sure to follow Nikki's podcast, too. That it's, it's blowing up. Podcast. It's yes. blowing up. Yeah. Very proud of Nikki and Julie Adams and what they're doing. You, um, you ladies are seeking out godly stuff. Yeah. Guys, we got to get on the ball here. We got to yeah. get on the ball. <laughs> All right, Ben. Thanks, thanks for being for, here, buddy. Thank you, bro. I love you. Appreciate love the you work too, you man. do. Love you, too, bro. All right. As always, we're on this journey. And until we're together again, stay on the right path.